you know, Saul's, Saul went in and he captured, like, he, you know, he, he led the battle for the, um, he led a battle, what was the battle? Do you remember who it was with? I can't remember. A week ago was so long ago. But he, like, united them. Oh, they came in, the Philistines came in, and they took over this town, and they're like, you know, um, please let us live. And they said, if, if you let us gouge out all of your right eyeballs, then we will let you live, and oh. you will have to serve us. And they said, um, can you give us a few days to see if anybody will come and help us? And they're like, sure, take a few days. So they wrote, so Saul gathered all the other tribes together, and they came down, and they defeated the Philistines and ran them off. And then everybody was like, yes, we will make you king. And, um, you know, so, so now we're in 1 Samuel 13. So Saul lived for one year and then became king. And when he had reigned for two years over Israel, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel. Oh, wait, I'm not... 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 13. Chapter 13. Chapter 13 in 1 Samuel. Okay. Is that not where we are? No, I'm not. Mine's not reading what you're saying. What's your saying? Oh, no wonder. Nope. <laughs> okay, now it's reading. Now it's reading. Okay. Okay, usually that's, there's a dis that's where the disconnect. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes I put the wrong, quote the wrong thing on there. No, you didn't. Um, so 2,000 were with Saul in, in Michmash and the hill country of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent home, every man to his tent. Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was at Geba, and the Philistines heard of it, and Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard it, and, uh, and all Israel heard it said, and said that Saul had defeated the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel had become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were called out to join Saul at Gilgal. And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops like the sand on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. He had sent them ahead and said, wait for me, wait for me there. Um, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. So it's kind of like with the golden calf, where they're like, well, Moses isn't back yet, so we need a different intermediary. Obviously, he's not returning. Yeah. And as, you know, no sooner do they do the wrong thing than, then you know, he, then here they come. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's that. And how often, how often do we think, I have to have the answer by today. God either has to deliver me by 5 o'clock today, or I'm going to have to come up with some solution myself. And like five did. Yes, yes. We, we make all sorts of little Ishmaels. And, you know, 5 o'clock comes, and we go, that's it. Clearly God's not doing anything. And so we go, and we put it on credit, or we go, and we, you know, get somebody else that we become indebted to or who rescues us, and we owe them now. And and then, you know, have we waited till 620? I it would have come. And that, that is one of the things that God's been working with me on this year is not everything that yeah, being, you know, being a follower of Christ with, you know, going back to the meaning of the name, 
follower of of Messiah, yes, it means walking like walking where he goes, walking on his path, walking according to his ways, but his ways are Shabbat. And I am very inclined to rush in and 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 you know when I feel that panic, I, I for years and for my whole life, I've thought that means it needs to. I need to fix it now. And what I've come to realize is that panic means I need to stop and do nothing until the panic is gone. Then I can think clearly. Then I can see other options. Then I can better consider what I'm doing. When it's when there is an actual need for urgency, generally the answer is obvious. You know, broken, broken leg, go get it fixed. I mean, you know, like there, there's, there's certain things that just lead, lead to the obvious answer. And when that answer, you know, when you don't have the answer, it's, it's because it's not your problem yet. It's still God's. And when we take his problems and try to fix them, that's when we get into messes. And, and so following, meaning waiting until he's walking and then only walking behind him. So, so he, you know, as soon as he's done, here he comes. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. <coughs> You know, in other words, I looked at all the circumstances and I went, oh, this is not going well. I should fix this. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you, for the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So when we talk about, you know, when, when scripture talks about David being a man after God's own heart, that doesn't mean everything he did was good and we should do all the things he did. Because yeah. he did a lot of bad things too. You know, that whole Bathsheba fiasco was not, not really something we should emulate. But he, he did want to not, especially with, with regards to Israel, he did want to not rush in. You know, he, he trusted that it was God's people, that he was reigning because of God's ordination, not because of his own actions. And that's why he could wait all that time until Saul died. That's why he could be patient and he could wait for God's timing on things. Again, not the whole Bathsheba thing. That was clearly a, a misstep. But... Um, you know, but even that, it didn't, it wasn't in God's timing and it got all messed up, but that's still the mother of, of uh, Solomon. So um, it says, and Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal. The rest of the people went up after Saul to meet the army. They went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. So Samuel comes in and he's like, yeah, you're done. You know, he's picked up someone else. He's picked out someone else. He's going to be a prince over his people. You've not kept what the Lord commanded you. You're out of here. Um, so Samuel took off and um, everybody else went up with him to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people who were present with him, about 600 men. 
And Saul and Jonathan his son and the people who were present with them stayed in Geba of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in Michmash, and raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned toward Ophrah to the land of Shual. Another company turned toward Beth Horon, and another company turned toward the border that looks down on the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make themselves swords or spears. But every one of the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen his plowshare, his mattock, his axe, or his sickle, and the charge was two-thirds of a shekel, uh, for the plowshares and for the mattocks, and a third of a shekel for sharpening the axes and for setting the goals. Can you grab a chair? Uh, or setting the goads. So on the day of the battle, there was neither sword nor spear. So because they had to go to, all the, to them for all of their metal work, they didn't have weapons. Because the Philistines aren't going to arm you if you're going to war against them. Um, uh, so neither sword nor spear were in... For at the, we're about to start for Samuel 14. We're finishing up for Samuel 13. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. And the garrison. Oh, uh, so the, on the day of the battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people with Saul and Jonathan, but Saul and Jonathan, his son, had them. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. So 1 Samuel 14. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord, in Shiloh, wearing an ephod, and the people did not know that Jonathan, that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. Apparently that's caught between a rocky crag and a hard place. <laughs> so <laughs> he's trying to sneak down, you know, and all the things. The name of one was Bozes and the name of the other, Sine. The one crag rose in the north in front of Michmash and the other on the south in front of Giba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. So Jonathan's like, hey, you and I might be able to go take him out. Who knows what God can do? Which is both an incredible amount of faith, but also, <laughs> I think, quite a bit of youth. <laughs> so, and his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hand. And this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him and they fell before Jonathan and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. So this man just carried his Yes, but apparently also was battling alongside him with him with his armor. 
And this is Saul's son, Jonathan. Yeah, that yeah. That's why he has. That's why he has the the armor because he's the king's like son. Yeah, the king's son. He's have so, and after the and that first strike with Jonathan and which Jonathan and his armor bearer made killed about twenty men within, as it were, half a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled, and the earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count and see who has gone from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here, for the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. Now while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle, and behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was very great confusion. So in other words, they turned on, e they, they, they turned on each other too. Now the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time and who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. So, so there were Hebrews who'd gone over to, with, who were with the Philistines, either they'd been captured or they'd surrendered to them and, and were now on their side and they're like, oh no, we're back, we're back with the people. We're free, we're out of here. Um, so likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond beth -Evin. And the men of Israel had been, had been hard-pressed that day. So Saul had laid an oath on the people, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening, and I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people had tasted food. Now when all the people came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. And when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dropping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. Oh. So remember, he went off first. He wasn't there when they went in. So he put out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes became bright. In other words, it energized him. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. Then Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright because I tasted a little of this honey? How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found? For now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. In other words, why did he do that? We could have done so much more if you guys had energy. Why is he making you fast while you're in battle? That's what I was going to say. Aren't they what a foolish thing. Weak, yes. What a foolish thing. They struck down the Philistines that day from Michmash to Aijalon, and the people were very faint. The people pounced on the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Ooh. So basically, they finished a long day of hacking people up and were starving, and they didn't have time to, you know, do that whole kill it kosher and light a fire thing, so they just chomped down on the sheep. Blood. Yep. Wow. They were really hungry. They were very, well, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, think about, think about a day on the battlefield in, you know, in a real battle where you're doing hand-to-hand -hand combat and you weren't allowed to eat all day long. And, and that's, I mean, 
You start to see why Jonathan, as soon as David came along and was declared king, Jonathan's like, oh, this is a better deal. You know? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I'm, I see where God's moving here. Um, so then they told Saul, behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, you have dealt treacherously. Roll a great stone to me here. And Saul said, disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, let every man bring his ox or his sheep and slaughter them here and eat and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and they slaughtered them there and Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. Let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, let us draw near to God here. And Saul inquired of God. So, you know, Saul, you see this dichotomy. Jonathan inquires of God and then moves. Mm -hmm. Saul moves, moves <laughs> unless someone encourages him to inquire of God. Right. So he says, uh, God, Saul inquired of God, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, come here, all you leaders of the people, and know and see how this sin has arisen today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. So he's saying, some sin happened today. Not clearly the eating the animals raw. Yeah. We fixed that, so whoever sinned so that God's being silent, even if it's my son, they're going to die. But there was not a man among all the people who answered him. Then he said to all Israel, you shall be on one side, and I and Jonathan, my son, will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said, O Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? If this guilt is in me or in Jonathan, my son, O Lord God of Israel, give Urim. But if this guilt is in your people, Israel, give Thummim. Now remember back when we talked about the priests and there was the Umim and the Thummim, and then it, it indicated that it was somehow used, like God would light up one or the other, and it was how our, our modern, we would, call it, we would flip a coin. But th these, were, these were things that had been dedicated to God for him to guide the people through. And, um, and there's all sorts of stories about what happened with them. But Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. Then Saul said, cast the lot between me and my son Jonathan, and Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the tip of the staff that was in my hand. Here I am, I will die. So he's like, you know, he's not going, you made this stupid oath. You know, because remember, when you make that oath, it becomes like Torah. God holds you to it. So Saul made this oath. There are consequences. And Jonathan's like, you know, I did it. I'll die. And Saul said, God do so to me and more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Then the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan die who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people ransomed Jonathan so that he did not die. Because, you know, as we, when we talked about the oath, if you made the oath, it was on par with Torah, and if you didn't, fulfill it, you had, you know, you, you were held accountable, but, you know, as we read in the notes and it talked about, now we're seeing it play out here, if, if the council, if you went before the elders and the council and they realized that you did not understand the consequences of your oath when you made it, 
they could release you from it. And then there were offerings that had to be made. Um, and, and so we're seeing that here. That's what's happening. He made this foolish oath. Jonathan was like, you know what? If that's, you know, this is on par with Torah, if I have to die, I have to die. And, and Saul was going to follow through, but the people came and went, you did not even know what you were saying. And you didn't know, you know, Jonathan never heard it. And, and this, this is, we're not doing this. This is wrong. So they, they said, we release you from that. They ransomed him, and Jonathan got to live. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them, and he did valiantly and struck for the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan Ishvi and Malchishua, and the names of his two daughters were these. The names of the firstborn was Merab, and the name of the younger, Michal. And the name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. There was hard fighting against the Philistines all the days of Saul, and when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he attached him to himself. Mm. So uh, for Samuel 15, and it's not that long, so we'll just zip through this, and because we're getting to the end of... Saul's reign here. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over the people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So lest you think I'm not including some category. You know, lest you go, but what about the male, ch you know, no, all the children, all the everybody, this everything. isn't, there's no plunder here. What? Everything. everything, everyone, destroy it. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men, men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go depart, go down from among the uh, Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. What verse is that? Yeah. Eight. <coughs> But Saul and the people spared Agag, the king, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fattened calves, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I beat him. Okay. And, and I think Samuel's response there, going back to we were talking about prophets and kind of what we think of them today, I think that prophets 
when you really have a message from the Lord, you should not be quick and joyous about delivering it. You know, when, when God sends a prophet, it's not because you did good. <laughs> you know, I mean, there is, there are, there's a gift of encouragement, and there are messages of encouragement. And, 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 but but when, when you are somebody who God says, this is, this, you need to go and tell them this, they need to get back on my path, or this is the consequence for what they're doing, there should be no joy in delivering that message. I mean, there should be some, there should be joy in the sense of you're obeying God but not joy in the sense of obeying God means you're taking this message to this person because, because sometimes I think in our pride, if we see something like that, we go, I see what they're doing and God's called me to go and tell them and I'm going to, and I, 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 and what we need to, in order to deliver it properly, we have to think they are broken. They're in despair. They are away from God. How can I deliver this in a way that can provoke them to change instead of heaping shame on them. And a lot of times prophets, people, people who can see these things, you know, prophets in this in our modern world are all caught up in the that's right I told them. I told them what for? As opposed to, oh, I am broken because their life is in ruins. And and so Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. So verse 13, Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? You know, what are all these animals that weren't here when I left you? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. <laughs> Not the Lord my God, the Lord your God. We brought them for God. He said the soldiers. Your God. Yeah, the, yeah, not even I. Not I. But the soldiers brought them for your God. What's your problem? And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And, the, and I, think, I think what he's saying there is you might think that the consequences of your sins aren't a big deal. But the Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go to vote, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the sheep, or the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So he's still, he's putting it on the people, and yeah, I saved the king, but I devoted everybody else to destruction. He's like, the people did this, not me. Don't, don't, it's not my fault. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. 
Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So, rebellion, I mean, rebellion being, you know, divination, iniquity, idolatry, in other words, when you, when you reject and rebel against what the Lord has said, you have determined that your word or whoever you're listening to is, is of greater worth. You are worshiping them in your actions and in your choices and in your thoughts. You are not worshiping God. So, you know, when we say we believe something, but our actions reveal something else, that, that's idolatry. That's divination. That's, that's, you know, we can say we believe something all we want. When you believe something, when something is in your heart, you do it. And that's what James says. You know, he says, faith, you know, we talk about faith and works. He goes, you show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Yeah. So Saul said to Samuel, verse 24, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now he's, now he's still kind of blaming them, but he's like, yes, I did wrong. You know, now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Like, no, no, you didn't, no, you don't get a pass on this. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me so that I may bow before the Lord your God. So in other words, yes, I sinned, I get it, but don't embarrass me. Let me go back a victor, you know, let, let me, don't, don't, don't call me out in front of all the people by making me go home without you so that everybody knows what happened. So Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul bowed before the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. Thinking, you know, hey, oh, so they're letting me live. Now they're calling, hey, yeah, I'll come negotiate with you, fellow king. And, And Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Hmm. Now, this is where um, the, the, the tradition being that Agag's wife escaped and was pregnant comes from this because when we get to the story of Esther, we find out that um, Haman is a descendant of this king. And had everyone been devoted to destruction and actually killed, there would be no descendant of his. And and, um, Mordecai is a descendant of Saul. So essentially, this, this disobedience to God has even greater consequences down the line because this same conflict rises again where who will be defeated, you know, the Amalekites or, or the Jews. And, and so that's, this is the historical precursor to that. We, I think we so forget that God can see the future. Yeah. He knew. There are reasons he said to destroy them all. 
Yeah. This would a gag would never been alive. Right, and people say, well, how, you know, why would God kill everybody? Well, because he because he could see the future, he knew what would happen. But we also have from so many stories where there was someone who was righteous. We have so many examples of them getting out. We have the examples of them coming over to the Israelites. So where there were righteous people, they weren't destroyed alongside everybody else. Right. They got out. It was the unrighteous people who God was saying. So God didn't declare the death penalty on, on innocent people for whom there was no reason to kill them. He, he, he took out people groups who were completely devoted to destruction. But had there been anyone worth saving, they were saved. Yeah, that, that happens in probably almost every war. Because I know like yeah. in Africa, when the countries were warring, a lot of people, they were on the roads. Right. Fleeing, right. Because they didn't want that. Exactly. So. And and that's why, you know, when when, he, when it talks about, even in the law, when it says, you know, when you go in, you know, just, and God says destroy everything, destroy everything. But it also says, to, in counterpoint, if you go into battle and someone turns themselves over to you, like, if somebody says, wait, I'm on your team, I want your God, I, you know, I, I, I'm worshiping your God, they're no longer part of the other group, they're now part of your group. So when, you know, so it's, we have to keep that in mind because a lot of times people say, well, he just killed everybody, he just went told them to kill everybody, and they, what do you, how do we know righteous people didn't get killed in there? Well, because there are enough examples of them, we know that the righteous people got out and switched sides, you know, so... That is the end of that. I know you guys have to be off. It's like 12.07, I think. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen. Amen.